Hi, everyone. This is JJ Hornblass from The Roadmap uh, from Auto Finance News. Welcome to the podcast. We're so happy you've joined us today for this weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry uh, as of June 1, 2021. Uh, we are very thankful for our advertisers for their support. Uh, so we want to thank uh, DeFi Solutions, OneSpan, Westlake, Alpha, and State National uh, for their continuing support. So thank you to them. And I'm so pleased to be joined by Amanda Harris of the Auto Finance News Team. Hi, Amanda. Um, we'll first start with some general economic news. The jobs report that will come out on uh, this Friday, on Friday, June 4, uh, could be pivotal for the Federal Reserve. The May report that will come out on June 4 is expected to offer clues about how quickly the labor market is recovering and whether this supply bottlenecks fueling a recent inflation upswing show any sign of diminishing. The answers will help determine when the Fed begins scaling back its large bond buying programs and how it thinks about future interest rate increases, which, of course, has great impact to on the auto finance industry. Paycom software founder Chad Richeson was the highest paid CEO of 2021, according to the Wall Street Journal's annual ranking of pay and performance for the leaders of S&P 500 companies. His pay package was valued at more than $200 million, and he was one of seven CEOs who were awarded compensation valued at more than $50 million last year. Circle, uh, the fintech startup, has completed a financing round of $440 million. The financing will be used to help Circle uh, continue its growth and organizational development. Circle enables businesses to use cryptocurrency and public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications. And now to auto finance industry news. The average listing price on used vehicles surpassed $22,000 at the end of April. Uh, and this was the first time that uh, the average listing price for used vehicles surpassed that milestone. What, Amanda, does this pricing level tell us about the used vehicle market and perhaps the uh, the vehicle market broadly as well. Sure. Um, well, the big thing is obviously inventory is still a big driver of why prices are going up. Um, used cars are just hard to find right now. Um, I'm looking for a used car myself right now, so I'm running into that too. Um, can't find a car or one or something like that. Um, and so, you know, dealerships are just struggling to get inventory on the lots. So that's kind of continuously driving up these prices. Um, we've been talking about that for months and months, and it's still happening. But I think the big t- takeaway now is the concerns that are coming out of this, because even though it, it's kind of, you know, it's it's good that prices are high, consumers are still buying cars, there is a, a little bit of a turning point, right? At a certain point, inventory is going to be so low 
that it's going to start driving people away. Um, you know, they can't find what they want or prices are going to get to the point where even people who definitely want a car and are, are willing to pay these high prices right now, they're going to, it's going to start pricing some people out. Um, so I think that's the concern is when that's going to happen. Um, and it seems like we're getting closer and closer to that point. Um, you know, over the weekend, it was Memorial Day weekend. Historically, it's always been a really great weekend for, you know, car deals, car sales. We didn't really see that this weekend. Um, there wasn't a ton of, of deals out there, incentives. Um, we didn't really need to because demand's so high and inventory's so tight. Um, but this is kind of almost a turning point in, you know, some of the concerns are going to kind of start going up of, if this doesn't get better, are we going to start seeing sales decline kind of rapidly uh, because of the supply issue. Um, and I don't know that it's going to get any better very quickly uh, because we're all the problems that have been li- limiting supply that in the new vehicle market and in the used vehicle market really are still there um, and not any real like change on the immediate horizon. Uh, so I think that's a big takeaway is, is kind of right now just monitoring this a little closely and, and wondering when that's going to kind of turn um, people away. The, uh, I, the the article you wrote stated that there is still, I believe, 35 days of used vehicle inventory available. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that generally speaking, used vehicle inventory would probably be double that approximately. I think around 60 yeah. days is normative. But 35 days doesn't, you know, tell me whether that's like a glass half full or a glass half empty circumstance. Because, you know, you're talking, the the question really here is, is is that 22,000 a peak number or simply, you know, just a milestone as average, uh, you know, vehicle listing prices continue to increase? So, you know, you could look at it like 35 days of inventory is really minuscule on a relative basis. If you're talking about half or so available inventory is out there, or is there still room for for greater uh, uh, increased tightening in supply, and that will push that that listing price higher? Do you have a, a sense for that? Yeah, so right now the the kind of consensus is, you know, the the doomsday scenario I kind of laid out. We aren't really there yet. Um, So, you know, inventory is still available. Like, that's not to say that there's not used cars out there. There are. um, And there's still a good bit out there. So people and demand is still very high. So the cars are still selling. um, So it's more like just kind of monitoring this because supply keeps tightening. And so, like, you know, where are we going to be a couple months down the road um, is kind of the concern. As far as the prices go, I don't think that's the stopping point um, because already in mid-May, we know there was a, an increase on top of that. And I'm sure when we, you know, talk about the, you know, the index and everything in, in a couple of days, it should come out for the end of May. Um, you know, we'll see that it's just skyrocketing even more. I think and in mid-May, the Mannheim used vehicle index is a pretty good indicator was had over like surpassed 200, which I think mm-hmm. for the first time in, in historical data that we have, um, which was up 48% from last year and almost 5% from April. Mm-hmm. 
So we're already seeing yet another increase of 5%. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the peak. I do think these vehicle prices are going to continue increasing. Will they continue increasing at the level that we've been seeing? Um, we've talked about this a couple times with those like 2% a week type of increases. Um, mm-hmm. I think that will level out um, over time because supply is eventually going to reach a point where it is tighter and to the point where it's super tight and concerning um, tightness level. Uh, so I do think that'll even out, but it, it, they are going to be higher um, for a long time. Well, it's also a, a function of the actual price, right? Even even with short supply of new vehicles, at some point, if the used vehicle, by some measure, is more expensive than a new vehicle, then I think there are consumers who would just say, you know, I'm just not going to not going to do that. I mean, you're, you know, it's hard to justify buying a vehicle that's, you know, got 30, 40,000 miles on it for more than a new vehicle of the current model year, uh, regardless of the, of the availability. I think, uh, I think that's got to be an issue. Yeah. Especially because the other part of it is some of the used vehicles out there right now, were lease vehicles that sat almost all 2020. People didn't really travel much, you know, in 2020. So they're coming back with, you know, way less mileage than normal. Um, I've, been, I've been looking at them, obviously, in the market for one. But they, you know, they're coming back, like, way under where you would expect them to be. You've got, you know, 2018, 2019 mm-hmm. vehicles, and, you know, they're sitting at, you know, just way less mileage than you would expect. And you were like, well, if you factor in the fact that no one really travels for like a year, um, you know, some exceptions, obviously, but especially with like the lease vehicles coming back, there's some really good ones out there that have a lot of value in them still. So that's and, kind of a factor as well as kind of driving up. Right. Justifying the higher price, you're saying. Yeah, it's almost like getting, it's almost a new car, right? It's pretty close to new when it has, you know, 15 thousand miles on it and it's a 2019 or or an early 2020 and it's you know got less than 20,000 miles on it like that's a fairly new car for the used price you know so and they're and they're still you know new vehicles are still going to be pricier in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. obviously as production comes back online like they are starting to get those 2021s out um, you know, just the technology and all that stuff gets updated all the time. So the newer ones coming out are obviously going to be pricier in some ways, just because the features and stuff they have obviously are not going to be on a 2019 even, you know. So it just depends, I guess, on what people are looking for and where the demand might shift if prices keep going up. If, if that'll pull people away from these used cars, if they'll just hold out and just might as well just get a new car for that or, or what, you know, what people will want to do. Let's uh, spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, credit performance uh, on the subprime side. Um, there's a sense that delinquencies and net charge-off rates are are really poised for a a steep increase. Uh, why is that, and to what degree is the is there an expectation of that increase? Sure. So we've kind of been talking about the recovery uh, since the pandemic in the auto world for for auto finance world for a little while. And we've been talking about the fact that it's a K-shaped recovery. So consumers aren't recovering equally 
the market is not recovering equally. So this is kind of a, a pinpoint example of what we're seeing in the subprime space, which is obviously the, the space that struggled the most. You're talking about, you know, consumers in that space might work in industries that really were hit hard, you know, by the pandemic, restaurants, things like that, that mm-hmm. just were hit in a whole different level. So the recovery is obviously going to take a lot longer. Um, so this is kind of an interesting thing that we, we noticed. We've kind of talked about, you know, stimulus propping up consumers, and we've known that that's been happening. Um, but this was a, you know, finite example of the connection between a stimulus support and delinquencies falling down. You see a check go out, delinquencies fell in the subprime, at these subprime mm-hmm. model lenders. Then, it, you know, there was a gap, delinquencies went back up. So they're really dependent right now on these stimulus and, and got other government support, you know, the extra unemployment, things like that, really propping them up to be able to pay their loans. And once that completely ends, because we don't know yet if a fourth check is going to go out, it's being talked about, but we don't know for sure it's going to go out. So once all this ends and people kind of have spent the money that they have from the other stimulus checks, it's very, very likely and very probable that we'll start seeing net charge off and delinquency rates go back up to where they would have been had these customers not been propped up by that extra assistance. Um, so it's just, you know, an example of, of really that immediate connection um, between the support and these consumers being able to pay their auto loans, um, which I thought was interesting because we've been talking about it, but this is a, a an actual example of this working in real life and seeing the connection happen. I mean, is there a sense that this also will influence uh, the prime market as well? I mean, I've heard anecdotally that there are more prime consumers um, leaning on stimulus than, you know, one might think. Um, is it is it consequential enough on, on to the prime side or really – or, or it's 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 not as as meaningful. I mean, it's certainly not, not as meaningful as on the subprime side. But you know, is there is there the potential for this on the prime side too? Yeah, I mean, of course, there are going to be consumers across the spectrum who are hit in different ways, depending on you know what sector they work in or just life circumstances. Um, you know, they might have a spouse too that works in an industry that was hit harder, which impacts their overall you know, household income. Um, So we do see some of that happening, and we know that delinquencies have been low, and most auto owners we've talked to have talked about the fact that they're low, in part at least, due to the support. And that's across the entire spectrum. So prime is definitely not excluded from that. I don't think it's as connected as we're seeing in subprime to where a check went out and they literally saw their delinquency rates drop right after a check went out. And then when it ran out, and there was a gap, they saw the actual uptick happen at the same time. So they were seeing, you know, just an immediate impact with the stimulus. And I don't think they were seeing that quite so much on the prime side. They really kind of stayed pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a concern there as well that there'll be an uptick because that some of that might just be hiding still because of that support. Um, but I don't think it'll be quite as extensive as in the subprime space with these smaller kind of subprime auto lenders um, are really pretty concerned that, you know, they're going to see just a large uptick in net charge offs and things like that um, just because they've seen the impact um, and know that it's a pretty immediate 
um, you know, change. Okay. Uh, well, very interesting. Uh, very interesting. So thank you for that, Amanda. So what do we have uh, planned for our shortened Memorial Day week uh, uh, for coverage this week? So we've got a great webinar um, coming up later this week. So we'll have that posted. Um, it's going to be a fun one on bankruptcy and repossessions. Um, so definitely tune into that. And, of course, we'll have some other industry insights um, coming up this week. Okay, great. Uh, thank you all so much for, for joining us. Uh, thank you, of course, to Amanda and, and to all of you. Uh, please rate the roadmap on your podcast platform of choice and visit us at autofinancenews.net. Uh, and please uh, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We will see you next time. Thanks so much, everyone.